African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. In the headlines, DRC's President Joseph Kabila announces the formation of a new government. Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe calls for unity after months of fighting within the ruling ZANU-PF party. And South African High Court Judge Jeanette Ravasso delivers a ruling into British national Shrindwani's application for a discharge in his murder case. A very good morning to you, um, and Musa. DRC President Joseph Kabila has announced the formation of a new government. This in a shake-up apparently aimed at broadening his political base. The government, announced on state television, brings members of two opposition parties to key posts, including Thomas Luhaka, the Secretary-General of the Movement for the Liberation of Congo. He will serve as one of three vice prime ministers. Kabila came to power in 2001 following the assassination of his father. Western governments have warned him against any attempt to change the constitution before elections in 2016 to stay in office beyond the end of his two-term mandate. Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe has made a call for unity after months of fighting within the ruling ZANU-PF party. He was speaking in Harare at the end of the ZANU-PF Congress that saw him confirmed as party leader. Mugabe says he has no intention of retiring from the presidency. He did not name his two new vice presidents or even confirm that his vice president, Joyce Mujuru, has definitely been demoted. Shinanyoka reports. 
Elected unchallenged and with sweeping powers, but President Mugabe shied away from announcing the most crucial positions in the party, the Politburo. Ujuru failed to make it into the Central Committee, which rules her out of any leadership position in party or government. Human rights experts have cited deep concerns over U.S. race cases. Five senior human rights experts have rounded on the United States after the decision not to bring the trial. The cases of Michael Brown and Eric Garner, they've cited deep concerns over the broader pattern of these judicial decisions after Garner and African-American died when a police officer put him into a chokehold. Garner's death happened a month before the fatal shooting by police of black teenager Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, last August. Spokesperson for the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, Ravina Shamdasani, has urged the U.S. to do more at a press briefing in Geneva. The High Commissioner last week said uh, that it is clear that at least among some sectors of the population in the U.S., there is a, I'll quote him, a deep and festering lack of confidence in the fairness of the justice and law enforcement system. So we urge the U.S. authorities to seize this opportunity to really conduct in-depth investigations. South Africa's Western Cape High Court Judge Jeanette Travasso is delivering a ruling into British national Shreen Duane's application for a discharge in his murder case. Duane's lawyers asked the court to throw out the case based on the testimony presented by the state. He's on trial for the murder of his wife Annie during the honeymoon in Cape Town in 2010. And finally, a Ugandan maid has pleaded guilty to the torture of a baby. A video showing her abusing the child shocked the world when it went viral. The 22-year-old maid, Jolly Tumuhirwa, faces up to 15 years in prison for the crime. The child's parents, who installed a CCTV camera when they were at work, were shocked to see. They had filmed the maid pushing the 18-month-old baby girl to the floor. After her arrest, police said she would be charged for attempted murder but in court today faced torture charges alone. She was remanded in custody and will be sentenced on Wednesday. Recapping the top stories, DRC President Joseph Kabila announces the formation of a new government. Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe calls for unity after months of fighting within the ruling ZANU-PF party. And the South African High Court Judge Jeanette Travasso delivers a ruling into British national Shreen Dwani's application for a discharge in his murder case. One in three women suffer from abuse and violence in her lifetime. This is an appalling human rights violation, but it is not inevitable. We can put a stop to this. Won't you help? Australian actress and Unifem Goodwill Ambassador Nicole Kidman joined the 16 Days of Activism Against Women and Children, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Well, thank you for joining us here on Africa Midday. You're with me, Benjamin Moshata. I'm right here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember that you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today we were supposed to do an outside broadcast happening at the Constitutional Hill in the middle of Johannesburg. But hey, there was actually a loading sh- load shedding in, uh, in, in that particular area, so there was no electricity so we had to run back with our guests into our studios here at the SABC to look at this conference that's taking place there which is the 6th World Social Forum on Migration and uh, which uh, has started already and is going to be ending uh, today in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa and uh, we have uh, our guests here joining us uh, and uh, we have uh, Professor Raul Delgado-Wise and also he is a UNESCO Chair of Immigration, Development and Human Rights and also the President of the International Network on Migration and Development. And also joining us is Lina Kawaski, who is from the Migrants, Refugees and Displaced People International Network. She's a director of that organization. And also joining us is the Administration Officer of the World Social Forum on Migration. That is Dr. Etienne Mutabazi. So today we're going to look at this issue of uh, migration really focus on uh, this particular conference which is uh, very interesting looking at this particular issue the sixth world social forum on migration and i always when we talk about migration it's always uh, a good thing to clear the definition of migration but let me start with you dr mutabazi when we're talking about migration because some people can misunderstand what this is all about how do we define this migration issue Migration is quite simple. It's a movement of, of people from one place to the other for various reasons. Migration can be voluntary when you take time to decide of where you, you are going and what you are going to do. It can also be involuntary when you are displaced uh, due to uh, circumstances beyond your control, like in case of uh, war, in the case of uh, human serious human rights violations, in the case of uh, natural disaster. So meaning that uh, people migrate for various reasons and uh, in the forum, and I, I hope we, we will touch on that uh, topic, we, we, we take this migration as a, as a right because we cannot confine the people from one place while they have a, a desire and a willingness to move uh, somewhere else to to seek a more, um, uh, better life or anything of that nature. Mm. Now, just to stay with you, Dr. Mutabazi, looking at uh, the issues that uh, were highlighted at the Sixth World Social Forum on Migration, can you just highlight for us uh, what were the main issues that were highlighted and uh, what areas were really of concern in this particular uh, conference? I think we need to take it from the, the theme of, of the sixth edition of the World Social Forum, mm. where we say that it's, uh, it's, it's a globalized, uh, globalization, but also as a right. We need to highlight that migration is a, ri- is a right of people. Uh, as I indicated in the previous question, mm. you cannot... Uh, uh, prevent people from moving from from one side to the other. When you look around here, everyone might be a migrant. So we need to highlight uh, all those issues to make sure that the uh, government and policymakers, uh, for instance, understand and uh, design a way 
uh, of <laughs> regulating migration then, uh, rather than attempting to limit migration. Because the tendency outside here is for uh, government uh, using their sovereign to limit migration, uh, uh, putting forward issue of secu- internal security, rather than uh, properly uh, channeling migration to make it uh, a development tool. So we, uh, during the forum, we highlighted that aspect of migration as development tool and also as a human rights that uh, no one can can prevent. Mm. Now, moving to you, Lina Kawaski, from uh, the Migrants, Refugees and Displaced People International Network. What were the most pivotal points for you when you were attending the conference? What stood out for you? Um, well, I, I think the conference is a, a real, real success here in Johannesburg. I have heard those days all the problems that migrants, refugees and displaced people are uh, are experimenting in their countries of origin and their countries of destiny. So for me, those, those uh, testimonies are very, very hard and those are the main the main issues that the conference uh, had been gathering here and we are going to reflect in the final declaration. So the possibility to be here in Johannesburg in this continent, uh, it is very hard and and we are very happy with Mm -hmm. this. And we really, uh, the international members of the of the committee, are happy because uh, we we have many problems to do this forum. But to have here in Johannesburg is very hard for us because mm-hmm. we are also commemorating the the first uh, the first year of uh, of Mandela's uh, Mandela's death, which is very important for us. So uh, the 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 forum here in in Johannesburg have many messages a uh, hard messages that people has to to listen in the world mm, definitely now let's come to you i'm going to ask the same uh, question to you dr professor raul delgado wise in terms of your experience at this year's uh, uh, conference what were the main key issues for you highlighted during uh, the weekend okay um well i want to start you're saying that uh, Something about the importance yeah. of the of of the of the forum. We have a, nowadays two hundred and thirty-two million international migrants yeah. and seven hundred and fifty million uh, internal migrants. So this makes a, around one billion migrants in the world. Yeah. Most of these migrants are workers, and workers facing quite vulnerable conditions. Mm. So one of the things that I think is very important in in this forum and and in the previous forum too is that uh, we try to uh, see some of the root causes of of many violations Mm. of human rights suffered by migrants and, uh, and, and, and to try to also be less defensive and reactive mm. as grassroots organizations mm. and uh, more strategic mm. in, uh, in, uh, in, in how to change this, uh, the perception of, of migration, which is basically negative in, in most receiving countries, mm. and, uh, and also uh, to try to 
change the conditions mm. uh, for uh, migrants uh, and, uh, and, and for the working class in general. Mm. I think that's a good point. And we'll come back there to just uh, some of the trends in terms of the rights that are being violated. But, I mean, in a story that in today's paper in South Africa, uh, interesting headline, asylum seekers get cold shoulders. And here uh, the story starts saying that asylum seekers might soon have to reveal details of their personal finances and educational qualifications to the South African authorities before their applications will be considered. This is just one of a story in South Africa, a kind of a, a bad reflection of how we can stereotype migrants, asylum seekers. I want to bring that back to you, Dr. Etienne Mutabazi. Isn't this kind of legislation really entrenching these stereotypes that we have on migrants, asylum seekers? Uh, where? What is the responsibility of governments in order to actually clear the perception of migrants and asylum seekers as well, and refugees? No, it has always been a big problem uh, here in South Africa when the issue of migration is, is uh, on the table because the policies have been uh, too restrictive. And now we, we are in a situation whereby the government might assume that some asylum seeker migrants are not uh, legitimate. That's why they raised those issues you highlighted in uh, today's uh, new newspaper. But I need to assure you that migrants in South Africa came for various reasons. It's an issue we have uh, continuously documented. Mm-hmm. And looking at the new registration, particularly the uh, new um, uh, Home Affairs Directive with respect to uh, uh, visa application limitation, is always uh, uh, restrictive, uh, alleging issue of security. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it looks like the pressure the government might be receiving from uh, the grassroots. Mm. So, meaning that it, 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 it requires a clear leadership to, to say that migration is ni- not here as a problem. It should rather be channeled properly. And the leadership has a big take to make uh, the grassroots aware of the rights and obligation of migrants. And I think without go, go, going uh, far... Mm. I think the, the the registration need to be clear and policies applied, but not continuing to portray migration as a nes- negative aspect in the South African perspective. Mm. Now, let me come to you, uh, uh, Professor Raul Delgado, in terms of that role of government. We know that we've also seen some incidences in the USA, in parts of Europe, where there has been just a strange perception. I know there was uh, something that happened in the USA where someone was saying, hey, let's throw out uh, Mexicans. I'm not quite sure what was that incident there, but kind of entrenched what we're talking about, this example in South Africa that we're seeing. Uh, can you highlight what what's the role of government in, in changing these perceptions that you were highlighting because you are infringing on human rights, actually? Okay. Um, well, uh, I think this is a very crucial pr- uh, point mm. because um, there is a, a huge mythology, mm. <laughs> uh, many myths regarding migration and a distortion of reality. And uh, we have been trying to put forward uh, important data uh, to 
transform the perceptions of migrants. And I will give you some idea of what we are uh, attempting to do. Sure. For instance, in the case of the U.S., uh, 33% of the GDP growth of the U.S. Uh, is due to the contribution of, of migrants. Mm. But that uh, doesn't uh, have anything to do with uh, the treatment they, they, they have mm. by the U.S. authorities. And, then, uh, and the need of labor they have in the U.S., like, for instance, the growth of, of the labor force in the U.S. in the last 10 years was uh, the contribution of mi migrants w to that growth was f 55%. Yeah. So they need a lot of uh, foreign labor, uh, basically cheap and flexible labor, yeah. uh, but they only give a few amount of visas. No? So yeah. they create, as a state policy, irregular migration. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, something that is in, uh, a hidden mm. agenda regarding yeah. migration yeah. because they put forward national security and not human security mm. as, as the main priority. Uh, priority. Yeah. Your views there, Lena, just in terms of uh, that role that government can play in changing these stereotypes that uh, we were highlighting as uh, Professor was highlighting this mythology that is in people's minds. Well, I I think that um, I I agree with my colleagues when they say that uh, governments has to do uh, another policies uh, in favor of migrants of the rights of migrants. In that sense, uh, I would like to mention what we are doing in South America. For example, in, uh, we are trying to create another forms of integration, not only commercial integration, but also uh, looking for a universal citizenship. In the case of South America, South America citizenship. So it is very important that states... Um, Re, uh, recognize the rights of people in every part of the world. So the legislation is very important and also the constitution and also the because there are many, many international uh, uh, human rights uh, declarations. So uh, it be uh, in the same sense with the constitution, with the national constitutions to respect the rights of migrants, refugees and displaced people. Mm. Well, we're going to take a break. The time right now is 22 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. And you are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Today we're looking at this very important uh, forum that's taking place in the center of Johannesburg, just near Hillbro, at uh, the Constitutional Hill Center there. And it's vibrant there. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of uh, experts that are meeting there to speak about uh, this issue of migration, the Sixth World uh, Social uh, Forum on Migration, the Forum is called. Let us know your views. We want to hear from you. So do send us your views via SMS. But we're going to take a break right now uh, and we'll be back after that. Hi, I'm Zonke Dikana, a South African Afro-Soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. 
celebrating South African Freedom Fridays on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're listening to us uh, on your radio set, if you're listening to us on your shortwave service, on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And if you're listening to us online, it's on www.channelafrica.org. That's www.channelafrica.org. I'm Benjamin Mushatama. On uh, We have guests today who are really looking at the issue of migration, joining us from the 6th World Social Forum on Migrations. Now, let me just uh, recap and let you know who we have on uh, in our program, in our studios. We have Professor Raul Delgado, who is uh, the UNESCO Chair of Migration, Development and Human Rights, as well as the President of the International Network on Migration and Development. Also joining us in studio is Lina Kawaski, who is the Director of the Migrants, Refugees and Displacement People International Network. Joining us in our studio is also Dr. Etienne Mutabazi, uh, the Administration Officer of the World Social Forum on Migration. Now, I want to move on to just the challenges. I think we're looking at governance, some of the administration or legislation challenges that we are actually facing in terms of governance responsibility. But some of the challenges that the migrants themselves, sometimes we can look at the upper level and forget the people themselves. Uh, Dr. Etienne Mutabazi, your views on some of those challenges that uh, migrants are facing saying during the break you wanted to highlight some of the presentations that were made by Palestine. Can you elaborate on that? Thank you so much. Uh, You initially even raised issues that are pertaining to migration and that's from Sikaya in South Africa. We do not want to come back to to those uh, because we talk about. But with respect to the (coughs) presentation made by the Palestinian delegation, it was heartbreaking. Uh, uh, Listening to stories of people who have been in the displacement since 1947 when the state of Israel was uh, created and who currently are scattered everywhere in the world. When I was uh, administering the, the case of a f- Palestinian, I was wondering why some delegation were coming from, from Ramara, from uh, Tel Aviv, from Beirut in, uh, in Lebanon, from... Uh, from Damascus in mm-hmm. Syria, others from Kuwait, from Germany, uh, Greece, United Kingdom, uh, United States, Switzerland, meaning that people are scattered everywhere. But coming back to those who live particularly in the, in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, mm-hmm. it was a too worrying when you see how uh, people are chased on a daily basis, being prevented their uh, livelihood. And on the other side, the Israeli state, which is enjoying, which is chasing our people from their end, and they don't, uh, they have nowhere to go. And and Palestine is a state, if we consider what a state is, mm-hmm. it has a, a territory, it has a population, it has a, its own sovereignty, and it has been even recognized internationally. But yet still, people are still moving, and no one is accountable, no one takes care. So listening to their stories, considering the history of uh, the Palestinian people, mm-hmm. I believe that uh, really we need to do more than what we have even uh, done uh, during the, the this forum and uh, the, the previous one. We need really to put more pressure as a civil society to make sure that these lives are secured and people uh, stop suffering. 
Your views there, uh, Professor Raul Delgado-Wise, on some of the challenges that we're facing internationally. As you heard there, Dr. Etienne Mutabazi highlighting the Palestinian situation. Uh, how would you elaborate on that area? Well, uh, I think one of the most stressing problems regarding the working class globally mm. it has to do with migration. Mm and the violation of, of human and labor rights mm. of, of migrants all over the, the world. And, uh, and, and I want to mention this because of the importance of the World Social Forum on Migration, because this is a space mm. that comes from below. <laughs> no. mm. and, uh, and, uh, and most of the policies that are, uh, that, that are implemented uh, come from above, mm. <laughs> and uh, and and they and and they are policies f- uh, of most of the uh, of the receiving main receiving countries. Mm. Uh, so I think it's important to empower mm. migrant organizations and movements with a, a strategic uh, idea of how to transform the mm. situation, and and this is uh, what we are really. Struggling to to yeah. to to do and and, and I think we are do, uh, having very important steps forward in these directions and and this uh, forum has been quite successful mm. in the, in this in this task. Lina, your views there in terms of uh, what uh, uh, Professor is highlighting is highlighting a very interesting point there in terms of. Uh, some of these policies are actually administered, created by the governments themselves, which is almost like an imposition on the migrants themselves and organizations such as yours, for instance. Do you think there should be more consultation or what other ideas could you have to have a more top, a bottom upwards uh, approach to dealing with the issue of migration? How can we sort that issue out? Of course, um, we, we, we want that... Um, in concrete in concrete aspects uh, for example that uh, migrants uh, don't be considered as illegal in first uh, first of all or uh, criminals mm. so it is very important that people from grassroots organization participate uh, in the policies because they are the victims so it is very important because they are fighting they are struggling for rights right to work right to vote in the uh, receiving countries for example so they the for the same we are fighting for the same rights as any cit- uh, citizen of of any part of the world mm-hmm. so that's uh, the important that they participate in all the spaces that the states have uh, to make the policies mm-hmm. that is the the, the main issues yeah, I think you bring good points there in terms of that participation um, aspect of it. But I'm going to take just uh, one more break and then we'll come back. And then when we come back, I want us to look at uh, just uh, how this particular uh, forum is going to actually contribute to policy implementation and actually see how is there a connection between this uh, World Social Forum on Migration with the United Nations because some of these decisions are actually implemented on that particular level and what's the relationship between the two there but we'll look at that after this break
One in three women suffer from abuse and violence in her lifetime. This is an appalling human rights violation, but it is not inevitable. We can put a stop to this. Won't you help? Australian actress and UNIFEM Goodwill Ambassador Nicole Kidman joined the 16 Days of Activism Against Women and Children, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Time right now is 11.31. Looking at this very important issue, not just on the continent of Africa, but just worldwide, as we've heard some examples there. But uh, let's look at this forum itself, the World Social Forum on Migration. In terms of uh, what happens, in terms of uh, what it wants to do, in terms of uh, contributing to global immigration policy frameworks, uh, uh, let's start with you. uh, Dr. Mutabaz, in terms of uh, how does it work in terms of contributing to uh, policy and especially in the different countries that are part of uh, uh, this forum? For any process to succeed, you need to involve everyone. We, uh, in the other area, they call it stakeholder uh, analysis. Because if you, uh, you decide something which will have an impact, on someone else, then you need to involve that that one. Now we are we we, we are addressing a, a very important issue of human rights of migrant, and policies are designed and implemented without involving those migrants because the time we move from your your your, your place, especially in, in, in a situation of forced migration, you are. Cons- it's like you are deshumanized. You are no longer human. You need to depend on someone else to to decide on your destiny, on 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 your life. That is really is really crucial. When you see what is, for instance, happening in the in the Mediterranean seas with uh, people being mm-hmm. thrown into the Mediterranean, when you you, you consider some uh, big uh, concentration of 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 human being like. Uh, the oldest camp in, in, in northern Kenya, mm. that the Dadab camp, which hosts Somalian refugees since 1991, those people are kept like, like in captivity, like is a, 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 a zoo that contains human beings. So I believe that any uh, state that design migration policies and laws need to involve those people who will be affected by the decision. Mm, I think those are interesting points. But in terms of also that implementation process, in terms of organizations such as the uh, United Nations, African Union, uh, how important are they, Dr. Raul Delgado-Wise? Well, I've I've been participating a a lot. Mm. Well, I have uh, this UNESCO chair, but I've been participating a a lot in in UN for. uh, and uh, they, there has been uh, recently established uh, first the high-level dialogue on migration and, and development and, and, and a global forum on migration and development. Mm. Uh, uh, it started in 2006, yes. uh, but uh, the level of accomplishment is very poor, mm. I have to say. Although the, decla- uh, the, high le- the final declaration of the high-level dialogue in 2013, uh, 13, last year, mm. uh, was very important in, in terms of principles. Mm. But the main problem is the implementation. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. So this is really the, 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 the issue. Mm. They are 
co-opting the, the same words and principles that we are raising, yeah. but they are doing the opposite things, yeah. uh, the governments. So this is, I think, one of the main issues and the main points of the importance of this forum. Yeah. Because we are, uh, this comes from below, and we want to raise our voices yeah. and empower uh, civil society in order to really press governments to implement what they already agreed at the U United Nations. Mm. And, and just an, another very brief point. There are also regional conferences, and I think Lina, Lina can say more about this, uh, like the South American Conference on Migration. Mm. And with in, in some of them, they get to very important agreements that are actually implemented. But th th that's another story, and mm. I prefer Lina. Yeah, Lina, you can elaborate on uh, what uh, the professor is highlighting there since you uh, work in that particular area. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, I want to mention that as a result of the of this World Social Forum, we're going to have a final declaration with those principles. Of course, we are not going to give uh, an action plan for, for authorities or states, but the principles, which are the main important issues. In South America, uh, we have been struggling for their citizenship. So uh, finally, our governments uh, listening, uh, listened to us, mm -hmm. and uh, we are creating, as, as I was saying, a new spaces of uh, integration. And also we are trying to find um, a South American citizenship. Yeah. Our governments are uh, working on that, so yeah. which is very important. We will not have, uh, right now we don't have visa between uh, the countries in South America. Yeah. And uh, it is very important that uh, migrants have the right to vote for example, it is very important. So I think that if governments uh, really be commitment with those uh, suggestions, those um, demands from the civil society for migrants, mm. and they uh, they um, make decisions in policy to to incorporate those uh, human rights, mm. uh, the the rights of migrants, uh, we can begin begin a, a real effective policy and we can implement real uh, human rights of migrants. Mm. And I think the key there of the examples that you're making, Lena, is the power of these grassroots organization and the role they play in terms of uh, uh, interacting with governments and policy makers. Uh, I think that's such an important thing and why you gain some of those successes as we highlighted. But moving on, in terms of turning things around, because I hear the concerns that Professor Raul Delgado Wise is highlighting in terms of we need to actually strengthen the implementation processes because that's an important area indeed. You can't have just the rules, but actually down on the ground there's nothing actually happening, actually not really respecting migrants themselves. And how do we strengthen that area of implementation? Who should be responsible? Should it be the police themselves? Because we know in South Africa we have that problem with the police who also have their own stereotypes amongst migrants and asylum seekers. They don't know the law themselves as well. you know. So that implementation is important. Who protects the rights on the ground? Probably law enforcers, 
probably the councils of those particular communities? How do we make sure that that implementation level actually is going to be moved forward? Because sometimes you can just, uh, you know, just have these laws, but actually on the ground, there's no real people on the ground implementing them, such as key figures that are most of them local police, for an example. No, that uh, that is uh, an important issue uh, that Raul was mentioning. That uh, the the first of all, we have to to change the perception, and that perception, for example, is to change that there is not a problem of national security. That is. Uh, the main point, as as I was saying, uh, migrants are not illegal mm. people. So, th- uh, for policy, I I think that everybody has to be involved. Uh, all the ministers, uh, justice, human rights, uh, uh, foreign affairs, mm. uh, and one of them could be the police, but not only. Mm, definitely, um, you want to say something, uh, doctor. Yes, I want to, because the point we raise pertains particular to, to South Africa, where we have uh, three levels of government. We have the national government, the provincial government, the, the local governments. At national level, the Department of Home Affairs will receive and channel uh, asylum seeker and other migrants, but it does not communicate the, 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 the idea, the position to provincial government, to local government. Here I mean, you are asking who should implement, whether the, the police will not know if they have not properly instructed by, by their own uh, administration, meaning many policies here belong to the municipalities. Mm. And the municipalities themselves that are not aware of uh, to, uh, of the kind of migrants that are on the place. Remember in 2000 and May 2008 when there was a xenophobia attack, there was no one who, who could uh, come out and say, you are vi- violating the, the rights of people. Because first of all, people were being killed. Mm. That was a, a national security issue yeah. and the national government should come forward. But uh, again, they were concentrated in uh, structures owned and administered by the municipalities. And mm. the municipality did not know exactly what to do. To do yeah. I think sharing of information, uh, highlighting the kind of migrants that are found here in South Africa is very impo- important. Because remember at the time, anyone who, uh, who failed to speak the local language was uh, targeted. Mm. You could target, for instance, a diplomat mm. who is here for specific uh, assignment. Mm. Or an asylum seeker, irrespective of the, the, the quality and the qualification of the person, I think that we need that uh, kind of distinction and sharing of information, spreading in an overall picture so that every department is involved, including the transport department, uh, traffic officers, uh, and other service providers. Mm. And also another element that uh, I just uh, had now is terms of, uh, you know, sometimes we see some migrants, it's an area, uh, sometimes this can be taken to the extreme in terms of perception, but also migrants understanding their laws in terms of where they are, they must follow the rules of that particular country, follow the the, the the way to live within that country in terms of their rights as well in terms of um, understanding the law of the country and understanding their responsibility in that country do you think more also needs to be taught to the migrant themselves what, what's your view there doctor professor 
Um, well, I, I well, I want to start by talking a little about the root causes of migration, mm. because uh, here uh, the the question that you are raising mm. is important, but it's basically regarding the destination mm. country, mm. Uh, because no nowadays uh, a lot of uh, migrants are really forced to move. Mm. There are there are displaced from <laughs> their countries of origin for many many reasons. Mm. Uh, some of them ha have to do with the shrinking of the of the labor markets and the implementation of we we call it the neoliberal globalization policies. Mm. Um, and uh, this is I, I think important also to consider. Um, sometimes if they go come through irregular channels because they have no option. Yeah. <laughs> the, it's very difficult to learn. Mm, mm. <laughs> uh, they have to be in, under the shadows. Mm, survival. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, 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 so it's, 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 it's very difficult uh, to integrate, how to integrate mm. something that is, uh, somebody that is irregular. Mm. No? Because we, have, we are facing a lot of irregular population mm. <laughs> and migrants no? yeah. in, in these countries. And, and normally they have not the same rights no? mm. uh, as the rest of the population. So you can imagine no? how you can tell them you, have, you are a second or third class yeah. <laughs> yeah. citizen yeah. or person yeah. in, a, in this country. No? Yeah. So you only have this and this and this <laughs> rights. Yeah. Yeah. No? Well, I think it's an important thing that you highlight, but we've run out of time. But I think the key areas here that we've highlighted, and I love what uh, uh, the uh, Dr. Mutabazi was highlighting, sharing of information, and uh, what you are highlighting, the responsibility, uh, Lina uh, Kawaski, in terms of the responsibility of grassroots level organizations in pioneering um, issues of migration. It, it's key, especially to, to policy development. And uh, Professor Raul Delgado-Wise, you were highlighting really just... Uh, the trends on uh, different levels, but also the challenge that the UN has in terms of that implementation process. But uh, I think it was a very productive uh, uh, conversation that we had that is, was so multifaceted on this particular issue. But uh, thank you for joining us. And we were looking at the Sixth World Social Forum on Migration. Let us know your thoughts on this conversation. Do you think that the, the rights of migrants are protected by our governments on the African continent? Let us know your thoughts by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. That's plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. I'm gonna take a little break and then we're gonna come back with the economics news. Hi, I'm Zonke Dikana, a South African Afro Soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, celebrating South African Freedom Fridays on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Well, now it's time for us to move on and get our economics news from Musani Matibula. Thanks, Benjamin. China is keen to share lessons and cooperate with South Africa in the implementation of the Blue Economy Program, Operation Pakisa. This was said by President Jacob Zuma at the China-South Africa Business Forum held in Beijing, China. President Zuma said in order to tap into the ocean economy, government has identified four priority sectors in which to focus on. President Zuma has further encouraged the Chinese to invest in areas such as beneficiation of mineral resources, improving industrial capacity, capacity, enhancing agro-processing, as well as energy, in particular nuclear cooperation. Moving right along, now we're going to South Africa's electricity issues now with ESCOM not having electricity for the second day and the, the power utility say the grid has stabilized for now and it doesn't expect any load shedding the first few days of the week. The country was hit by power cuts as the power utility switched to stage 3 load shedding on Friday after three coal-fired power stations tripped. ESCOM's Andrew Ettinger. We are off to a, a solid start, although the grid is still under a, a lot of pressure. We're expecting that so Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday at this stage will be uh, okay, but we'll be under pressure from Thursday and Friday if we're not able to receive additional diesel supplies at our power stations. So possible risk of load shedding towards the end of the week, but the first uh, part of the week we, we, we are tight, but it's under control. South Africa's Economic Development Minister Abraham Patel says workers' rights and human rights cannot be separated from one another. Patel was addressing World Trade Unionists at the opening ceremony of the Fourth World Congress of the Uni Global Union, which is underway in Cape Town. It is the first time that the Global Union is meeting on the African continent. Delegates from 100 countries are attending the three-day event, which ends tomorrow. Patel elaborates. Comrades and friends, our democratic order is built in part on the recognition that workers' rights are central to human rights. Under apartheid, what job you could get, whether you could belong to a trade union to bargain collectively and to strike, depended on the color of your skin. Behind the facade of race was a system of super-exploitation in which many had to work hard so that a few could live well. Financial indicators, the dollar 11.33 South African rands at 9.19 Botswana Pulas and 6.29 Zambian Kwachas, also at 0.64 to the British pound and 0.81 to the euro. Commodities, gold $1,191, platinum $1,102 a finance, Brent crude oil at $68.25 per barrel. That's your economics news for now. Standing by is Mosibudi Makura with your sports update.
Thank you. We sign a good day, sports fans, and starting off with football news. Egyptian side Al-Akhli have been crowned the new CAF Confederation Cup champions. This after defeating Seswe Sport of Cote d'Ivoire 1-0 in the final on Sunday afternoon. And Imad Mitep's stoppage time goal handed the Egyptians a dramatic CAF Confederation Cup final triumph. The veteran striker struck in the sixth minute of injury time to earn Al-Akhli a fortunate 1-0 second leg victory against opponents who wasted several great scores chances. Al-Akhli, who lost the first leg 2-1 in Abidjan last weekend, won on an away's goal to lift the second Thai African Club competition trophy for the first time. Victory for the Cairo Red Devils lifted some of the glooming, uh, some of the gloom hanging over Egyptian football after the failure of the national team to qualify for next year's Africa Cup of Nations tournament. On to local football news, Kaiser Chiefs claimed bragging rights with a 2-0 victory over arch-rivals Orlando Pirates in the Soweto Derby at the FNB Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Simpio Shabalala and Spelelem Tembu got the goals as the log leaders moved 13 points clear of second-placed and defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns. Head coach Stuart Baxter says he was happy with how the team played. Very pleased with the, the result, naturally. Very pleased to see the second goal going. Uh, very pleased for our supporters that, that supported as well today. And, uh, and obviously, the, uh, the result in typical fashion, I'll enjoy it for the rest of the evening. And then first thing tomorrow morning, it'll be out of my mind, for, hopefully. Meanwhile, Orlando Pirates caretaker coach Eric Tinkler says cheese were just too good for them. Uh, you know, Chiefs, you know, they, they're a well-oiled machine. They've been playing exceptionally well over the past couple of months, uh, creating a lot of chances. Um, and, and, and I felt that they found a lot of pockets in between our defense and our midfield. So at halftime, I also spoke about closing that space. Um, but unfortunately, that, that also didn't happen. And, and it actually led towards the first goal, you know, Shabalala, Parker, yeah, yeah, they were finding a lot of space in the midfield and we were being outnumbered and that led to their the first goal. On to Athletics News, Athletics Kenya President Desai Kiplagat is optimistic his experience spanning over 40 years as an athletics administrator places him in a poor position to clinch one of the four IAAF vice presidency posts and the election set to take place at the World Congress in Monaco next year. Channel Africa's Francis Mutegi is in Nairobi, Kenya and filed this report. Kiplagat has officially joined the camp of British Lord Sebastian Coe, who unveiled his manifesto on Thursday, rather Wednesday, in London as he seeks to succeed outgoing President Lamin Diak of Senegal. Kiplagat will not vie for any continental seat during the African Congress that will be held in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia next March, even though he will need to get the blessings of the continental body to seek a position at the world stage. He has been at the helm of AK for the past 22 years as the chairman. Kiplagat is also a long-serving IWF council member, an achievement he will also be barking on to ensure Africa retains one of the core positions in the world.
On Rugby News, South African Springbok Sevens captain Carl Brown says that his team's triumph in the Dubai leg of the HSBC World Seven Series at the weekend was largely due to the energy and attitude his team had throughout the weekend. The Blitzbocker managed to beat New Zealand by 28 to 0 points in the semi-final before running over Australia 33-7 in the final. The Blitzbocker are now second on the World Series log behind Fiji and more be the top seeds for the home leg of the series at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium in Port Elizabeth this weekend. Yeah, listen, the guys were incredible this week. You know, um, uh, you know I spoke to somebody earlier and we, we chatted about it and maybe we didn't uh, you know, hit, hit our full, uh, full straps yesterday, but today was incredible. There was so much energy and so much attitude, particularly in the defensive line, and I thought that's what, that's what pretty much defined us today. Our, our, you know, our character and our energy and defense and made it very, very difficult for teams to attack against us. While Brown was used as a substitute this past weekend, he hopes to make a more of an impact this coming weekend as a starter after having recovered from injury. Brown, though, did say that coming off the bench made his job easier as the likes of Kwaka Smith stole the show with their performances. I, I really enjoyed the role of playing off the bench this, uh, this weekend and it makes it a lot easier when you've got capable guys like Kwaka Smith. I mean, in that semi-final to score a hat-trick in the first half, I could have sat back and, and watched the whole tournament, you know, but luckily enough I got a couple minutes and coach and they were phasing me and I still feel like a bit of a loose cannon out there, but you now hopefully I'll, I'll speed up by next week and, and make a bit, of a bit more of an impact by next week in PE. Those are your sports news at the Sawa. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.